Hello and welcome to You Made Me Watch That, where two film studies professors aim to expand each each other's cinematic knowledge one recommendation at a time. I am your co-host, Colleen Kennedy-Karpot. And I am your co-host, Wickham Flanagan. This episode, we are forgoing the usual recommendations uh, for each other to focus on the conclusion, question mark, to the John Wick tetralogy, which has just come out in Turkey one week ago yesterday. So yes. we are, I, I have reviewed all of them in the lead up to this podcast. Wickham. And I have not. <laughs> but, you, um, but you saw John Wick 4. I did see John Wick 4. In the theaters very, as it was intended. Very excited to review this franchise because it seems like in the Venn diagram of our interests, John Wick is squarely in there. I think that's accurate. And yes. uh, I'm slightly biased because anytime they say Wick... Or Wick, <laughs> any time in the film, you're, I, that used to be a nickname that I had. Yeah, your ears perk up. Yes. And you I'm sit like, up a little straighter. Are they talking about me? No. <laughs> They're talking about Keanu. Are, are his... you a born and trained assassin? I don't like to talk about it, Colleen, well, especially okay. in public. Right. Um, but uh, I, I am very appreciative of this franchise's existence. I, I think that Keanu's resurgence into the action genre, it's just, it, it's a feel-good franchise if that makes any sense it does not please elaborate <laughs> because it, it it everyone behind it is very excited to to be a part of it oh i think that's true and yes. i think that you know even as a kind of reeve slight vanity vehicle whatever you want to see it as it's it's just nice for him to basically and i guess it, it stems from my interest in the matrix you know and and loving him in those movies but just to see him, he, he didn't, there was a period after The Matrix where he wasn't really doing particularly interesting films or he wasn't particularly interested in doing action films anymore. And so it was just very nice to see him, you know, be in this relatively unique uh, franchise that um, is doing a lot of great things with action. And as, a, as an action movie fan myself, seeing all of these basically action movie collaborations happening mm-hmm. in each of the films mm-hmm. and to see them constantly innovate and we'll get to maybe some of my issues with innovation with the franchise because you know by the fourth one you know there are some elements that have to repeat let's say i think the repetition starts even before the fourth yes, one yes. as i as i was you know forced to recall rewatching the series having said that though that there is always a sense of i do think in each of them there is a sense of innovation and fun to them tackling a fresh action movie concept or scene or an idea. And I think that is very infectious and fun. And so that's why I mean by feel good is that okay. I don't get the sense that anyone who's participating in these movies, if they're main players or guests, you know, mm-hmm. people who kind of drift in and out, I don't get the sense that any of them are not happy to be there. That's, yes. I, in that sense, I fully agree with you. And there are so many people yes. stepping in um, for brief moments over the course of the franchise, that's really it's it's really something. To the extent that you're like, why don't you come back? Well, I think that's really the franchise logic that sets in. But I think it's really important to remember. And going back to the original 2014 John Wick, um, watching that earlier this week, um, it's easy to forget how much of a one-off that film was really designed to be. I mean, it, it, it's extremely self-contained. Um, I mean, with this kind of action film, there's always the chance of, you know, pulling new characters, one last job. I mean, it's the one last job that gets us the first one in the first place, right? It's it's sort of he, he's, he gets dragged back into the underworld right. out of retirement because um, some, you know, mogul's a-hole son 
thinks he's a nobody because he doesn't know any better. You know, what kind of education was he given at home? Who knows? Anyways, um, he gets dragged back in for the one last job. And of course, you know, you can last job your way into four different movies. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> I think they were hedging their bets because I think, I mean, it didn't do very well, like opening weekend. There was a there was an analysis done on the opening openings of these movies and mm-hmm. it's a it's a staircase franchise which oh, yeah. each film has done progressively exponentially better than the last mm-hmm. um and i think they were hedging their bets i think they were like okay we don't quite know if this is going to be a franchise yet but there was like a bunch of promotional stuff that was saying like could be the start of a new franchise and i think that was maybe the hope but i think they were wise to make it self-contained just in case well no i mean i don't even think it was a just in case i mean there's uh, a really great article and i'm gonna get super nerdy on this Mm -hmm. i I promised you nerddom and here we go yes Um, you did promise me nerddom last year late last year uh, volume 13 of celebrity studies um, they put out a special issue devoted to keanu reeves and there are a couple of articles that address john wick very directly um i think uh, the most germane of which for our discussion today is one by Sarah Thomas. Uh, the title is Keanu Reeves, John Wick, and the Myths and Tensions Between Star Brands and Franchise Properties. It is apparently open access. So this is something that our listeners should be able to find. Uh, just Google all that and it should pop right up. Celebrity Studies out of Taylor and Francis Publishers. Thank you for making this open access because I think this is a really great article for a number of reasons. Keanu Reeves, John Wick specifically, but also just how industry works. It's such a fantastic case study for looking at how something like the the first John Wick ended up where it is today, almost 10 years later. And so what, what she tells us in the article is, is that it was Keanu found this script by a relatively unknown screenwriter and just and sort of championed it for himself. I mean, saw it as a star vehicle, which is a very specific type of movie. Yeah. Right? I mean, especially for something like action franchises that really sort of structured around stars and what a specific star can do. You know, Bruce Willis, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and there's a lot of scholarship about how action stars in particular in particular evolved from the 80s and sort of you know the peak muscular hypermasculine Reagan action heroes of the 80s sort of gave way to the more svelte and quote unquote sensitive men of the 90s and then whatever happened in the 2000s, like what happened to the action films in the 2000s? I guess the that's 2000s? the I mean, it's just... cachet of someone like Gerard Butler. Something like he, that, he, yeah. He he's does sort of that keeping this alive. Yeah. He's keeping this alive, but he's still not a star at the same level no, as like the no. peak action stars of the 80s and 90s. So in a sense, the genre sort of went not quite underground, but it really became a genre in kind of the same way that horror is a genre. It sort of lost a bit of its industry cachet and, and, and you know, that, that happens. But Keanu comes back, and, you know, again, after having done the Matrix franchise, which is the late 2000s or the late 90s into the 2000s, mm-hmm. sort of bridging that gap um, a little bit. Um, and anyway, yes, so he finds the script for John Wick, which apparently was initially titled Scorn, something extremely generic, and it's just a revenge flick. But once he gets on board, it really sort of solidifies some of the themes that are already in there. You can emphasize He's this. He's a big Umberto D fan. <laughs> well, I mean, the director, we should talk about how Chad Stahelski is obviously a cinephile. Yes. You know, we, we, ta- <laughs> we, we, we talked in an earlier episode about this concept of applied cinephilia, Tim he Palmer's idea. He also plays video games. It's, yeah. I mean, but, but I mean, he puts so many references to, to just 
classics yeah, yeah. in all of these films. And John mm-hmm. Wick 4 has a fantastic one right at the beginning, so it's not even spoiling it, but it's it's the Lawrence of Arabia yeah, yeah, cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. And now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know wrong. if it was fantastic, but it was it was fun. It was, but it was very clear what it was. Yes, yeah. I mean, there's there's an intention there. When you and look, if you know it, you see it. When you, you look back at it. all of John Wick Four, you're like, they just had that in there to do the Lawrence of Arabia shot. Like that whole bit okay. at the beginning doesn't really matter or amount to much at all. Well, the beginnings of these movies are always sort of red herrings. Yeah. Right. The movie only starts like ten minutes in. Maybe maybe that's like a we were just talking about Bond. Maybe that's like the equivalent of a Bond hook. Like John Wick is over here doing a thing because you're right that happens in two yeah, yeah it does it happen in three um i don't remember three very much at all and then four yeah it's like slightly disconnected from the main story but he's off doing a thing kind of well it's opening. sort of like the, the the opening of the movie sort of concludes the previous movie yeah maybe that's and it. then something else happens like okay. we, it, it's not even like there's ever a conclusion i mean that's the thing what i mean about the first one like that first one works as a solid conclusion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then for john wick 2 they have to introduce this brother of the mogul yeah um which you know what any excuse to see peter, peter stormare yes <laughs> A Constantine reunion. It, 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 there are so many reunions, yeah, too, yeah. in John Wick. And so, again, it, it ends up being that you know Keanu sort of makes a couple of phone calls and brings people into what he's doing. You'd make um, a great evil brother for this one bit. Yeah, for, for about five minutes of screen time, like barely. Um, but anyways, so, yeah, I mean, he champions this and, and sort of makes it into the star vehicle mm-hmm. one-off. And uh, does so with an independent, a very indie sort of film. And you can see, like, there's just a phalanx of producers, executive producers, among whom is Eva Longoria, following the Reese Witherspoon playbook of, you know, star-turned producer women, Uh um, which is great. But, I mean, like, the producer credits just go on and on and on and on. I mean, so, yes, it is. It's this team of people who's clearly very happy to be doing what they're doing. Um, But then Lionsgate gets involved, you know, the sort of... You know, minor, major studio yeah. sort of. W- w- they had the distribution deal for the first one, and as you said, like they they basically took their twenty million budget for the first one, which you know that's by Hollywood standards that by by Marvel standards that's chump change. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely well below the average budget for Hollywood which, movies. If we can, uh, we can yeah. continue with this. I yeah. wanted to give a shout out specifically to Chad. Oh, for, gosh, yes. Well, we will. I think well, his DPs as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we take it for granted that he is from, he is a stuntman. He was the stuntman, what's his full name? Chad Stahelski. Stahelski. He was um, Keanu's stuntman for The Matrix. Yes. And he has continued to do sort of um, stunt choreography for mm-hmm. other movies, tons of other movies. Um, Atomic Blonde is, has one of my favorite sort of fight scenes, I think, that he was in, involved in. Um, I, I don't think he directed that, but um, someone Atomic maybe, Blonde. Yes, I don't forget who directed Atomic Blonde. I think it was another uh, something tangentially related to the John Wick people. Oh, um, I'll look that up in a second. But regardless, he really knows how to direct a movie and to use a budget effectively. Man, like if you he, look at yes. that, like just the the the. The fact that it it has a sheen to it that you mm-hmm. don't associate with, and it, maybe it is, maybe it is the Keanu Reeves bringing everyone together. Everyone's hyped, uh, you know. People are calling in favors, whatever it is. But there is a sheen to that first John Wick movie that you do not anticipate from a movie so modestly budgeted. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and um, I think in action movies in general, as you say, with Marvel, it's always yeah. ballooned and insane yeah. and not warranted. Yeah. And, and yeah. green screen and they're paying yeah. for VFX out the wazoo and all this. Uh, director of Atomic Blonde, for the record, David Leach, David Leitch, one or the other. Okay. Is, is he at all affiliated with uh, John I'm, Wick? Uh, is he a person? Known for Deadpool 2, Fast okay. and Furious from oh, Hobbs and Shaw, Atomic Bond, John Wick 2014. Yes. Uh, what, he, okay. he may have been a producer, okay. I think. Okay. Um, but yes. So this is definitely his wheelhouse, for yes. sure. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, they so yeah, knew each other Yeah, 20 million budget. Yeah, they, yeah. 20 million budget for that first one. It looks um, so good. It looks amazing, yeah. And I mean, it's 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 tightly done. It's it's very limited in its locations. You know, it starts out in his house in Jersey, go Jersey, and ends up sort of between you know New York City and New Jersey. In Jersey, where you can be attacked by random mobsters and have your dog <laughs> killed in front of you. <laughs> only in Jersey. No, definitely not only in Jersey. Uh, anyway, your car stolen. That's, that's yeah. Well, I saw the Jersey plates, and it was very nice. <laughs> Even in, in a violent, you know, brutal it's context. All right. That's all right. But I mean, he, he when he when in when in John Wick two he gets the car back. Spoilers, sorry. And he he sort of parks it back in the garage. And it's this beat up New Jersey plate in the front. It's just love it. <laughs> just, that's where he goes I, to unwind. And yeah, no, I, I again like the, one of the big themes that we keep getting repeated, especially by you know the third and fourth movie, is consequences. These are movies that are not afraid to show us sort of the reactions or the consequences or the aftermath. I mean, that's something that comes into the first one even. I mean, one of the- To the the extent that they can make four of them. I I can't help but but see that the consequences are just an excuse to- to, um, to create more movies after a while. Well, after a while, yes. But I mean, in the context of the first film- Part of this focus on consequences is really quite subtle. It's, you know, these these thugs come to beat him up in his house yeah. and he dispatches with them. Fine. And then there's a knock on the door and it's a cop who he happens to know. <laughs> like He's a noise complaint. And the cop goes, noise complaint. And the cop sort of peers into the room where there are these you know bodies littering the ground. You working again, John? <laughs> And he sort of you know, mumbles something, and then and then you know the cops leave, and um, and he calls the cleaners, and we there is a there is a whole montage of like these burly dudes, yeah. cleaning the house. That's consequences in action. That's mm-hmm. you know we don't. I mean, by the end, yes. I mean, the body count is too high, and yes, he's just gonna you know leave them somewhere, and it's not his issue to deal with. But I mean, what happens when? You've you know ripped your your arsenal out of the concrete ground in your man cave. What happens when you've dispatched with a bunch of thugs in your living? You deal with it. He deals with it. He is a man who deals with the aftermath. It's it's one of it's the very things. Pulp fiction. Yeah. Basic yes, but but not in that sort of half satirical way that that Tarantino mm-hmm. sort of brings that in. Well, you don't expect it in the context of indiscriminately dispatching. You know, twenty yeah. people in yeah. the context of yeah. this movie, and I mean, eventually, yes. I mean, when he leaves his home territory, he doesn't deal with the con- with those kinds of nitty gritty consequences anymore. And I do think that the films suffer a bit for that because there is such an attention to that sort of mechanism of how this all could work, and that's part of what makes the first film so tantalizing in terms of world building. Yes. They sort of end up consolidating all of that with uh, the Bowery King, played by Lawrence Fishburne, as this sort of underworld, 
counterpoint. It's the downstairs to the high tables upstairs. And then right. it becomes a sort of upstairs, downstairs gangster film in a sense. Um, but, but but yeah, that first one really just, yeah, you call the cleaners. <laughs> and they come with like scrub brushes and like really mundane sorts of things. So that's something I appreciated about the first one. Back to the budget, though, if we can circle yeah. back to that. So they end up doubling the $20 million in box office intake, but it's really the long tail for John Wick yes, that gets it. It's like DVD stuff. It is yeah. DVD sales because you still have those in 2014 and yeah. 2015. Um, we're sort of reaching the end of the DVD's shelf life. This is sort of before Netflix really goes global with streaming and so on. But I mean, it is word of mouth that carries this film from, oh, hey, I didn't do so bad to oh, hey, <laughs> we might have something on our hands here. And then Lionsgate sees this, of course, and steps in and ends up funding the rest of it with obviously a mindset to franchise it. And I use that in the verb sense, like make it into something that can be endlessly spun out and spun off and reimagined and so on and so forth. And so you can see that that's happening, especially in numbers three and four, um, where they're introducing all these different sets where, um, where, you know, loyalists will be interested to know how this came about or who's populating these areas. And I will have to I, I should say, too, that something like the, the ballet and wrestling school that Angelica Houston is running in John Wick 3, um, that is also a kind of glimpse at, you know, the downstairs upstairs, because we have a whole lot in John Wick. Um, that deals with high culture, like really high culture. We, so much of it is set in museums. Yeah. You've got art all over the place. You've got clearly expensive, you know, set pieces. But I mean, this is real stuff. Are they in the Louvre at in 4? They are. Wickham, not only are they in the Louvre <laughs> in John Wick 4, they are in my favorite room of the Louvre. Did you see Bill Skarsgård 19th century grand format with those red walls. Chef's kiss. I was beside myself with glee when I saw was this. Was Bill on the Skarsgård big there when you were there? Bill Skarsgård was not there when I was there. But I mean, I can name you these paintings. When you have that shot of Winston in front of the the, the Radeau de la Meduse, that's so where the great. villain is. Colleen. So great. Yeah, he's he's sitting before you know Liberty, and, and and that's the really famous one. But I mean, the other stuff is yeah. also in that room. It's there. It's that room. It's ah, it's just so great. <laughs> I'm so happy to see it. I can't tell you. I was distracted by Bill Skarsgård's <laughs> accent. But... Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's not perfect, but I think he pulls it off. Well, no, he pulls off the tone of the movie, I think. He, in general, gets it. Yeah. But I think he's the first person from the high table we actually see. So... So this, not to get into the weeds of this. So, <laughs> I'm here for the weeds. Okay. Wickham. Well, the first one. Um, how much time you? How got? much time of weeds do we have? <laughs> the first one, uh, if I can be very specific and summarize my thoughts about the franchise. The first one, I think the consequences angle. I get sort of frustrated in it because, on the one hand, it's a fun revenge film, and there's there's all these great things that we've discussed already outside of the podcast where. It's like, what have you done? You know, John Wick is this mythological figure. He's the Baba Yaga, right? Mm -hmm. And what have you done? And it's this, it's this goofy sort of over overblown mythology that he has that mm -hmm. in this world that we are sort of being introduced to, and that is so much fun in the first one. But eventually, it becomes this like violence begets violence, sort of revenge yep. begets revenge, and it becomes kind of self-important in a way. I guess thematically that I don't think really it, it's not the same sort of pleasure that you're deriving from 
Keanu Reeves as the Baba Yaga, you know, yeah. getting his just, you know, desserts yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And so I, the, the consequences angle of that, I do like the the cleaners. You're right. I forgot about that. But mm-hmm. the it's more just like the, oh, I guess now you're going to get this revenge and then you're going to get that revenge yeah, yeah. and then you're going to fight about it. Um, yeah. So that kind of bogs me down. And then the second one. They really blow up the world, and they make it so much more interesting. The the uh, the politics of that world without yes. compromising the fun yes. action. It's, and I, it's it's rules, right? right? I mean, this is the corollary to consequences. There are rules, and we get that other sort of theme of you know rules. Without them, we live with the animals. As yes. I think it's Winston pronounces it. Played by point. Ian McShane. Ian McShane, who's delightful. So do you have no yes. – you said you don't know anything about Ian McShane? No, I mean, I know he's he's done a bunch of stuff, but I don't know him from anything else, the, I guess. The film Sexy Beast. Have you seen oh, Sexy Beast? No, but that's with uh, Ben Kingsley, isn't it? Ben Kingsley. Um, and um, so Sexy Beast um, is directed by the same director who did um, Under the Skin. Oh. Jonathan Gla- Glazer. Glazer. Oh. And with Ray Winston. And – the whole premise, not to get on a whole Ian McShane tangent, but the whole premise is that it's an ironic title. And Ray Winston, it's very similar, actually. He's like a criminal who's gotten out. Mm-hmm. And he's on vacation at the beginning. He's just absorbing the sun. And Bing Cleansley plays this incredibly abrasive, awful, terrible gangster who's basically like, I'm in town. Let's hang out. Um Spoilers, Ben Kingsley ends up getting killed because he's awful. <laughs> and then he but what happens is Ray Winston has to basically meet up with um Ian McShane, who's like the upper upper person. And it's this great contrast where you think Ben Kingsley is the villain, you think that he is the worst that the, this movie is, and then you get to Ian McShane who brings this like weird kind of surreal like his eyes, he has these like weird reptilian sort of eyes. And he's he's significantly younger in the Sexy Beast, and he's this incredibly creepy um, presence as this gangster who you you just feel like can snap and kill anyone at any moment. So I real he leaves a very big every act every Sexy Beast is a great British um, gangster movie, but Ian McShane in that really leaves an indelible kind of creepy cold impression, just like full psychopath vibes. So it's interesting to see him in this almost as like. You know what would happen to that guy if he retired and owned a hotel, and mm-hmm. um, and and brings this kind of stately presence along with. We should mention Lance Riddick. Oh yes, rest in peace, Lance Riddick. Rest in peace, Lance Riddick. Who, it, it, um, yeah. would, if we could talk about him briefly? Yes. Um, that was sort of the impetus for doing the show. As we we're thinking of doing a Lance Riddick. Yes. Knowing that John for- John Wick Four was coming, and then John Wick Four comes out, and it's like, well, that might that might not be the best. <laughs> No single title, but he. But I mean, watch rewatching the third one. He really carries the conclusion well, of that film anything, on his back, they, they and he's been. great. He's great throughout, but he he really got his chance to shine in the third one. What I really appreciate about Lance Riddick is that he has a lot of nerd cred mm-hmm. because lots of video games. He's in. A, he does a lot of voice of video games and a lot of sort of more out there. Like he did this elaborate transmedia nightmare called Quantum Break game, which I don't think is very good, but he's involved with it, and he's involved with Destiny, and he's involved with all this stuff, and he has this iconic voice. But my point in mentioning the the nerd cred thing is he always carries himself as this super kind of cool guy, thanks partially to his voice, but just the presence that he brings to anything that he is in, and just on screen, or if it's just his voice. And I always just appreciate that. I think fundamentally he's just a nerdy 
guy, but he brings this kind of real kind of authority to mm-hmm. everything that he's in. But I just know secretly he's just like way into the same things that <laughs> that I'm into. He was in a show called Fringe for mm-hmm. a long time, which is another sort of very cultish kind of nerdy sci-fi show. And he's in this movie called The Guest, which is this sort of, again, kind of culty, fun, um, kind of throwback to 80s movies. And I just um, I just love him. And I've loved him in everything he is. I do, I do want to mention, this is a weird thing to mention. Do you watch the Eric Andre show? No. <laughs> Colleen? No. Lance Riddick right. was on the Eric Andre show. Oh, I saw the clip of this on Twitter, though. Where yeah, he, he is, scared the crap out of him. Where he is in, he's in on the joke, yes. And at one point he puts on, I'm just going to describe this. I'm not going to give an opinion. <laughs> Did you see this part where he puts on LeVar Burton's um, uh, visor and walks out in like a- Eric like, Andre does. No, Lance Riddick. Lance Riddick does. Okay. And he walks out in a- in like a slave outfit with chains. <gasps> oh, from Roots. Because sure, it's also Levar Burton. Sure, okay, oh, but see, with Wickham, the visor, just... and he he starts chanting about where is my iconic slave role to Eric Andre. This this oh my god, and you, you're... I'm not going to say that's Lance Riddick's best moment, but it is something that has stuck with me. Over yeah, the well, years. there's context to that that I don't think you quite realize. Young well, it's a, it's a, Eric just... Andre is an absurd, surreal nightmare of, of a show, but okay. <laughs> That's the context. It's like, well, I mean, it's it's like Sasha Baron Cohen's other other work, I guess. It's sort of that in that vein, I suppose. But if you were to say, if say you were Lance Riddick, uh, yeah. Colleen, hypothetically, and you were asked to be at Eric Andre's show, and you did like a moment where you freaked Eric Andre out oh with a God. very very tough kind of I guy saw that. moment, yeah, I saw you that. wouldn't. You wouldn't subjugate yourself to wearing an elaborate outfit and it's, chanting about some nonsense. I, I so, mean, it, well, he, what is his actual relationship with what? What, what was his relationship with Levar Burton? I guess is my question. Yeah. Well, I don't, know, that, I don't know if there is a relationship. You just, but. Well, but that's that's what he's going for here. I mean, the two big roles that Levar Burton had was in Roots yes. and as a, as a slave, yes. like that's a whole slave narrative there, and um, and Jordy LaForge in Star Trek. So. I, that's putting them both together in, again, a very incongruous kind of parodic way. Yes. But anyway, uh, yeah, he, that, uh, I remember that. Uh, there's yeah. a clip of that uh, somewhere if, you, if you're if you curious what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, well, I, I just um, saw the, the clip where he's he scared. He punches, he, yeah, he punches, he punches the, the desk. desk and, and very legitimately he jumps <laughs> as a result. But my yeah. point is, like, Lance Riddick, I, I, he, he got it. Like, he gets yeah. the premise. Like, a lot of people go on that show and they're just completely thrown off and disturbed, as they should be. Um, and so I just appreciate that Lance Riddick seemingly got his his appeal and and knew you know kind of where he was and he was generally beloved seemingly I watched the the red carpet of um, John Wick and everyone's very you know n- you know very upset about uh, Lance Riddick yeah. and it is sad in the context of John Wick Four I don't know I if just, we want to yeah no let's not let's not do the spoilers but yeah John Wick Four is not the best. It's memorial. a bit of a downer. It is, uh, but but I mean, to, it's an excuse to go back to John Wick three. Yes, where he has more of a vital has role, a, a pivotal role, I would say. But can um, we talk about John Wick three for a second? Uh, which is the only one, interestingly, with this ridiculous subtitle, Parabellum. Parabellum. Um, which well. I think my theory is that that is setting up some sequels. Um, John Wick 
six paramecium where he has revenge against the biology teacher who gave him an f back in high school i'd watch that that sounds and, good and then he can have john wick 12 or whatever parabola where he goes after his math teacher pendulum. he has to defend his math teacher uh from um, john wick uh pendulum it's like an edgar Allan poe themed it's not the para but i mean parabellum as a term <laughs> Am I missing something with the term? I don't term? know. Bellum has to do with war, right? You know, in U.S. history, they talk about antebellum, you know, the period yeah. before the Civil War, right? And so bellum is war, ante is before. Parabellum, like for war, I think I you're guess. reading too much into it a little bit. Though. This, listen, John Wick <laughs> is a series that invites this kind of analysis. Does it, I will, Colin? Yes, I will die on this hill. We haven't even scratched the surface of the stuff I want to talk about, but I do want to talk about okay. Parabellum. Like, so Parabellum is like for war. They're preparing for war, I guess. But he's also killing this people exactly, throughout the entire film. But Yes, of course. But I mean, it is a, this is the thing. The war is at the end. This is what Lance Riddick gets um, pulled into um, to defend the Continental after it's deconsecrated. And it gets a, a bunch of world stuff. But anyway, it is just like... <laughs> no, this is the deep thing that we need to interrogate about the world. But it is... It's very funny that it's the only one that gets the subtitle. Yeah, like, I think they the, just realized that no one understood what the hell they were I th- doing. With I think it, and that's then... it. Yeah, but I, but I, again, like the art. You go into this art, like you look at those paintings in the 19th century Grand Format Room of the Louvre, and like thematically, it makes sense. You go back to John Wick Two, where they're filming also in a bunch of galleries. Now, now John Wick Two. Yeah, and that um, has a fantastic as a as a person who likes installation art that has a fantastic fight scene in an installation. Yeah, which is one of my favorite. <laughs> parts of John Wick 2. Well, I mean, anyway. the, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of video art and, mm-hmm. and advertisements and just sort of this, this yes, the, these layers of art within art and yeah. com- commerce within art. You know, there's also the Bowery King taking a nice big swig of Fanta at the end of Parabellum, <laughs> which is some product placement. But anyway, um, yeah, where was I? Um, I love it how in oh, no, these the, movies, the when, yeah. when they go into rooms and you're like, well, this would be a good room for a fight scene. Yeah, yeah. That happens so often, like in the mm-hmm. four, when they go into the weird psychedelic neon armory room yeah. that owned in the in the hotel. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this would be a great. And guess and, what? And guess what? And, guess what? <laughs> and then it scene. delivers. Yeah. You get to see the geography of the place and then it gets torn up right in front of you. Um, but no, but the art galleries in um, John Wick 2, uh, yes. it's sort of hinted that he's going to the Met. I think it's the exterior shots are of the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they don't do a whole bit of setting up the outside. But once he goes in, uh, according to the Internet, because I, I, this art I didn't recognize. I've been to the Met several times and, and I didn't recognize any of the art there. I mean, I've been to the Louvre several times as well and I recognized it immediately. So in rewatching John Wick 2, I thought I should dig into this art. And so the gallery where they filmed the fight scenes is actually in Rome. And Rome is another setting for that John Wick. But... The guy he's talking to is not in Rome. <laughs> he's in New York. So they sort of do this, you know, ridiculous, you know, crumpling of a map and tossing it in the garbage. <laughs> like it just sort of you well, know, that's confounding the thing. their geography. Well, no one, no one acknowledges how John Wick gets around the world. Oh no, it's it's he it's teleports. Really, well, he's but, he's a ghost man. Yeah, he just shows up. He goes from is it is it uh, China? 
Where, where, where's the hotel? Japan, I think. Yeah, Osaka, yes, the Osaka Continental. He goes, and then he's immediately in New York. Yes. And then he's immediately there, and he's immediately... This yeah. poor guy's jet lag on top of all of the beatings They don't show that. I want to no. see John Wick falling asleep. <laughs> I just, uh, on, on the plane. plane, yeah, which is probably the only time that he sleeps. But, yeah, but, I mean, this is going back and watching them all and realizing that... You know, John Wick 2 picks up immediately after the first one. John Wick 3 picks up immediately after the second one. Right. And, and so on and so forth. I mean, what is the time frame we are talking about with four movies? Two days. <laughs> I, it's not quite. I mean, it's probably more like a month, realistically. Right. Like, this is one month. I mean, he has just lost his wife still by the time we get to John Wick 4. I mean, it's not like this is an old hurt. And I think we've been through so many movies and it has taken almost 10 years to get to the point where we have John Wick 4. But again, this is one of the benefits of going back and just sort of watching them chronologically. They just, they build instantly on each other to make this just, you know, the worst month of this poor guy's life. And maybe that's the impetus behind chapters. I guess, yeah. I mean, because it is, it's just, it's it's a single story, essentially. It's nice that and it's they a very remind compact us of story. his wife in four. Because by the end of four, you're like, oh, I, yeah, he did have a wife. Yes, yes, yes. And, and it does, I think, very deliberately sort of dissipate into something else where, you know, he's sort of lost the thread. They're, they're you know, they're focusing on other things because in the first one and even the second one, people are still offering him condolences yeah. before they try to shoot him. <laughs> like, I heard about your wife. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Let me kill you now. Yeah, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so let's talk also then. Um, we talked about the oh, so, so the art in, in Rome is a whole other thing. But yeah, it just it's they're cutting Rome as though it's New York. And they don't do that in Paris. Everything that's in Paris is Parisian. But they really don't have a good grasp of Paris geography. Because at, at, at one point in John Wick 4, um, here's another, you know, um, cinephilic sort of reference. You've mm. got the Porte de Lilas, which is the name of the station where the Bowery King outfits him for his final ah. stand. Um, that's uh, sort of close to the periphery of Paris in sort of the northeastern corner. And then, you know, he very gallantly, you know, puts him in a boat and and dumps it. He says, I can get you to where you're going, meaning Sacré-Cœur, which again, like, Sacré-Cœur, thank you. Like, that is exactly where you staged that shootout. And this guy was trying to say, what, the Centre Pompidou, like, no, buddy. I I can see how it fits thematically because it's a bunch of glass. Pompidou is a bunch of glass. So, like, it looks like it should be in a John Wick movie. I give the guy that. But no, you don't have your epic shootout at the Centre Pompidou. You have it up on the hill. In Montmartre, in front of Sacré-Cœur. Well done. I mean, we all know that. Well chosen, John Wick. That was fantastic. But this Bowery King dumps him right in front of the Eiffel Tower, which is absolutely nowhere near. Well, they have to stage this elaborate seven-hour action And and then suddenly he's at the Arc de Triomphe, which is also nowhere near the Eiffel Tower. I mean, it's like it's the Tour de Paris, which is, you know, great visually, but it's like there's no sense of geography whatsoever. Are you telling me that there's Uh, also not uh, operators uh, inside the Eiffel Tower? Oh, we we, we should talk about the operators because honestly, I'm seeing these like these hot women with sleeve tattoos and (laughs) reconsidering my life's choices (laughs) it sounds like a fun with just libraries my god like actual paper documents which is such a it's such a retro thing gold coins yeah there's so much that is really retro about john and and that's to me that's a really big part of the appeal and again i started talking about the whole concept and it's very i mean there is a matrix connection in that it's like a secret society there's the great moment in john wick 2 which is another one of my favorite bits where he's like 
we're going to come for you, John, or something. And then everyone in the mm. park mm-hmm. turns and looks at him. Yes. And that's that's straight oh, out of like a fun fake yeah. reality sort yeah, of yeah. matrixy moment. Yeah, and just but, the concept of like anyone out there can be an assassin trying yeah. to kill you. Yeah. They sort of abandoned that, but that was one of, one of my favorite. No I, don't, no, I don't think that they do. By by John Wick 4, you sort of need that to understand why they can make it, in, you know, the hot woman makes the announcement on the radio yeah. and all of a sudden like boom, everybody's on call. Um, and it's like everybody in the streets of Paris. I mean, but it's odd how empty Paris is, except for the assassins. I mean, or, that's the only bit the, of the well, representation the, that I think is a little m- odd. If I can be very, I mean, there's a lot of things I like about four, but one of my favorite things is when they're fighting in front of the Arc de Triomphe. And um, by the way, did they did he go with Kane into the Notre Dame at one point? That was not Notre Dame. Ah. And this is another thing that I think they got exactly. I mean, they can't go into Notre Dame at this point. So I mean, it might have been. It looked uh, vaguely similar. No, that is called the Sainte-Chapelle. Okay. And it actually, you know, this is maybe a hot take and I don't want to offend anybody, but Sainte-Chapelle actually has much more impressive stained glass than, and glass is a theme for John Wick throughout. Uh, so of course they go to the Sainte-Chapelle with the candles and everything. And, and it's just, it's wonderful. And I, again, that was another point where I was absolutely beside myself and yelling at my husband, that's the Chappelle. I'm thinking, thank God we're oh, it's only us in this theater because I'm like yelling at the Paris porn that's right there in front of me on the screen. That would have been the subtitle for John Wick Four. <laughs> it should porn. it should be because man does it deliver. It delivers I wanted... better than anything I've seen since Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris. And I mean that was also a plus. In terms I wanted of... Boone Well to show up. Uh, um, but the um, I liked in. Um, in the fight scene in front of the Arc de Triomphe, where it, there is still traffic. Yes, so, where did the cars come from? So it's all it's it's really fun in like yes. the context of just like foreground and background interaction, mm-hmm. where a bunch of guys will show up in a car and they're getting ready to fight, and then a car just careens and hits them. I was laughing a lot during it was that great. scene because yeah. that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, there that, was a really yeah. protracted bit though, where he gets in the car and just circles a car and just shoots them repeatedly, mm-hmm. and it just goes on for like. For an excessive amount That's of time. That's also fun. <laughs> in a different way. In a, yeah, in um, a different way. If I can be critical, uh, not to, not to, you know, John Wick has the same kind of move. So I, from an action movie perspective, mm-hmm. okay. So it, I wanted to acknowledge that there's a ton of great particip- participating action movie people in the in these franchises that mm-hmm. kind of come in and do their thing. Yes. With him. With like, him. Like a dance movie, basically. Like a dance movie. Yes. Um uh, I wanted to acknowledge I, I said I sent you the clip from the dance club in the first one and he fights a security guard in that. That security guard is not Chad, but the reason mm-hmm. why I thought it might be is he is a prominent stuntman mm-hmm. who works with Chad, who was one of the agents in The Matrix. Ah, so he's like the history. head Matrix. Mm-hmm. So when he gets a little fun fight scene, that was the thing that Alev noticed when watching John Wick, is whoever's the head henchman uh, in Four, who I think is a Spanish guy. Yes. Yeah. He seems so happy. The indestructible Spaniard. <laughs> the, yes. He seems so happy. Like there's, n- yeah. he can never contain the nope. smile on his face to be in a scene. I think like that's he is, correct. He's yes. having such a great time. So yep. that's part of the reason why these movies are fun. Yeah. But my point is, he brings in all these guest periods because I think Keanu Reeves is a bit limited after a while in terms of what he does uh, physically in these movies. Where by the fourth movie, you you know what he can do. Yeah. He shoots a bunch of people. Inexplicably, the, the people get in close, and then he does some sort of flip 
with his legs, and mm-hmm. then he shoots him again or something. Mm-hmm. And maybe he has a different weapon. And I, at the beginning of four, I was a little worried because he was doing the same move that he had been doing in three, that he had been doing in two. And I don't know how you feel about it, but he just seemed maybe a little slower. Maybe Keanu Reeves is a little bit, a little bit slower. He's and... had the worst month of his life, Wick, and we just went over this. He should be slower. <laughs> He's very by the time. jet lagged. <laughs> he should He's be very by the jet time lagged. He gets to Paris. Um, but I wanted to call out specifically in four, and we have Halle Berry in three, yes. which is she's delightful, and she's yes, she's she great. trained with all these and dogs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, um, yes, the dog theme running throughout is yes. also, and it comes to really yes, great, brilliant, brilliant use in number four. Yes, yes. not going to spoil it. That but is, I agree. That I was think a that's, highlight. I think the, yeah, definitely. The, the dog motif. Oh man, um, um, it makes total sense. It, it does. makes so much sense. It does. Um, a nice callback to the first one. Yes, but um, uh, Donnie Yen. Can oh we my talk God. about Donnie Yen for Let's, a second? Yes. So I was hyped on four because I knew Donnie Yen was going to be in it. And you did not know who he was. I knew he was big. Like, I mean, I you know, I saw there was hype around, oh, Donnie Yen is in this one. And OK. And then I saw he's a he's playing a, a blind assassin named Kane. Named and I Kane. thought, who boy? Yes. <laughs> and he wears a nice turtleneck <laughs> and he has nice shades. Um, but Donnie Yen is, is always just been floating around Hollywood. He's always like the villain in some random movie and he clearly knows his stuff when it comes to choreography but he's yeah. always just kind of sidelined but he no, but Hollywood is not his bread and butter no, 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 obviously but he's, he's, he's a, been know, in a lot of Chinese stuff. martial arts films yes. basically he is sort of like um I often associate him with like a Jet Li where mm-hmm. he is in Jet Li did some some history based martial mm-hmm. arts films it was maybe a bit more serious in terms of his genre compared to like a Jackie Chan or something and uh yeah Donnie Yen was in these series of movies called Ip Man which is like the mythology behind, I believe, Bruce Lee's trainer. Oh. Um, and it's it's about sort of the Japanese occupation, I want to say. Oh. Um, but suffice it to say- oh, So that's politically spicy, at a least little a bit, little. Yeah. But Ooh. it is fundamentally like really good martial arts well, I mean, action of movies. Course. But they, everything is political. But but, I mean, can they fight? That's really the question. But they're good movies. Like, and I think that is. I think if I was to be critical specifically of John Wick three, there is a sense that when you have an action movie franchise, that you can sustain the franchise by just having good action sequences. And I guess for me in particular, I need something more than that. And I think the Ip Man movies have pretty decent stories and are and and he's really good in it and the part where my heart skipped a beat um colleen when it just feels like they did it for me so his thing in ip man is he does like a bunch of rapid punches he just does like the okay and there's a moment in four where he he does the rapid punch and i was so happy but what i really appreciated about donnie yen in four is that um he is such a charismatic action movie like as an action actor mm-hmm. because yes. he is blind yeah and he spends the entire movie actioning without necessarily looking at the people yeah yeah and just his movements and he brings a sophistication that is d- distinctly different from uh john wick's yes. style from yes. counter reeve style yeah and yeah. that was that was an 
a, an in, incredible addition yeah. to he, four. Yeah, he's more of a foil than a flat out enemy. Right. It's sort of that that's it's almost their relationship that is really the core, I think, of that film in that sense. And with I mean, you've got Winston again kind yeah, of Bill on the Skarsgård sideline. doing a thing. Skarsgård doing the you know, representing the high table with some, the, some men kill for pleasure. Some yeah. men kill it's like if it I is. had a French accent. That's how he sort I, of sounds. He, he's a little better than that. Like, come on, be our guest. Be our guest. Oh, put our service to the test. Um, I, there was a part at where Bill Skarsgård's monologuing about some nonsense, and I just went, why are you talking about any of this? <laughs> some men, men kill to be free. I'm oh, like, that, that's some men uh, yeah, have something to kill for, yes, something like, to die for. Do you for? really need to be pontificating yeah, now? No, in the so, midst- something to live for, something to die for, something to kill for. And his point is John Wick has none of these. And so, I, Ooh. But, you know, but the thing is, he's not <laughs> wrong. I mean, this, and Donnie Yen's character has... So that's the other thing. And the figure of his daughter. Oh, and it's, okay. It's, 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 that's it's also a family thing. Action movie cliches. Yes. I, I don't mean to be yeah. so critical, but it, when it started off with like, you killed my father, you're going to kill my daughter, you're going to do this and you did that yeah, and revenge. But John Wick starts with the puppy. <laughs> you stole my car and killed my yeah, puppy. And that, that which everybody's just more like, novel. what? Yes, I agree. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, but, but by that's, four, when you have all this, this revenge going yeah, on, yeah. Well, yeah. yes, but I mean, these are the people who are being turned against John Wick, kind of despite themselves, and that's what the thing that I liked about the the Saint Chapelle scene mm-hmm. when it's you know Donnie Yen and Keanu sitting in, in character, of course, you know, and talking and. You know, you, you get a sense that there is history, yeah. and and I mean, the the series has established that just because you have history doesn't mean you're safe from anybody. I mean, there are all kinds of things that change, and 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 get consequences and rules and so on and so forth. Um, but no, I mean, it's I I I, I liked that relationship yeah. quite a bit, and I think it it worked well as the sort of motor for a movie where, yeah, I mean, we we sort of see why John Wick is doing what he's doing, and he really at this point really just wants to get out. And here he we also have other just people enjoys who killing are, people. I think. Well, yeah. I, he's kind. Of, I don't even think he enjoys it. To be honest, I think he's kind of like a savant. I, I don't want to see the origin story, but it's this is you know watching. Was it the third one? Just just now um, finishing the third one. Um, there's another assassin. I can't remember his name, but he's another big martial artist, um, martial arts guy in film. Who, who says, you know, we're the same. He keeps saying we're the same. We're the same. You know, we are masters of death. He says at one point. It's just. That happens to be what you're good at. <laughs> like the dude just doesn't want to do it anymore. But it does happen to be the thing that he's the best at. And people keep asking him to do it for him. And he just doesn't want to do it. So it's, you know, I you you can read this. To, um, where I'm going with this eventually, and I hope we do get to circle back to this, is where does this particular role of John Wick for Keanu Reeves, where does this fall in the evolution of the male action hero? Because I think, especially with the first one, but now that it's a franchise, obviously there is something about this characterization that has hit people. Yes, it's a, I I mean, not in the literal sense, but I mean, that's, you know, there's the appeal in the films, there's the appeal in the films of the action sequences, which are undeniable. So Helsky really just ups his game from one film to the next. They get better and better. Um, Even if Keanu Reeves seems to be getting a little slower. But again, it's the same month of his life, and, and that's. But <laughs> no, that's th- this. Not... This no, it's true. It's this exhaustion that is part of it. No, 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 no. It's this no, exhaustion no, 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 that's no, part no, of no, it. No, 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 no. That I think is part of the problem. I think that there is a there is a cleanness to a lot of the action. There is a great bit in four when the daughter, like out of desperation, oh, is just stabbing. Great. Yeah, she's also great. She's stabbing the guy repeatedly to try to take him down. 
<laughs> I I look for that kind of like exhaustion stuff because in John Wick there is a there is a cleanness often to the action. There's one part in three, and three is the one I generally was a little lukewarm on. I'm not a big fan of three, where it's clearly staged so that the guy is looking down from a balcony, yes, so that the dog can run up. Halle Berry and attack him, and you can see the staginess of that. Mm-hmm. When I think about exhaustion, you know, you don't know. I don't know if you know this. Um, well, old boy, which you have not seen. I've not seen. There's that, a great no. scene with exhaustion in that. The, the original, not Spike yes. Lee's. Okay. No, not Spike. No one is talking about Spike Lee's old boy. That is never in anyone's conversation or vernacular. No offense, Spike Lee. Um, <laughs> but uh, goes to do the right thing. It's a reference actually to old boy, but in Daredevil. There's a mm. great fight scene in a hallway. I think it's like the second episode. And he's like panting and he can barely punch the final guy. And he's just like constantly. And this isn't true in Old Boy 2. And there are moments in John Wick 4, but I, I, he never, it always feels super choreographed. I actually miss the the exhaustion. I think it is in that first one. And I sent you, I sent you like the seven minutes of the club fight where the end of that fight is he gets thrown off of a balcony mm-hmm. and he's basically defeated by the agent from Matrix Reloaded. Mm-hmm. And and I that that's that is what I I look for the pain. I look for the hurt. Yeah. And it, it's I mean, when he gets thrown down the stairs without going into detail in four, you feel that. Well, at oh, least yeah. you feel bad for the stunt man yeah, who had yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um but I do think that is a, a, a kind of a critique I could have for the franchise as a whole is that Occasionally, I don't feel it as much as I I want to. Well, I mean, we can't literally feel it because the guy should have died ten times. Like, how many times does John Wick get hit by cars? There's a part in hit four where he cars. jumps out of a, a four yes. you know four story building and lands on a van, and he's fine. But he that's this happens at the end of three. He you know, and this is he gets my, my shot problem. and falls off the building and. He, you can't fall off fine, that many actually. buildings. But well, but yes, I mean that—that's the ridiculous aspect. No one cares these. about this critique. Yeah, I know. But I, I personally, I look for the pain and the the exhaustion. More, I think he it's delivers. More re- realistic. I think he delivers. I mean, this is sort of an anti-James Bond sort of thing. He is not suave. He is not smooth. He feels He's pretty pa- smooth. Yeah, not really. Like if you actually look at Keanu, I mean, when he's fighting, yes, yes. the fighting is smooth. But anytime he's not fighting, there's this sort of like just he feels pain. There's this jerky movement. And if he's trying to escape something, he's loping along. It just there's nothing smooth about it. You never see him do like the, you know, the Tom Cruise straight run on top of a building like that kind. of No, thing. You're right. it, it just, you know, he, he also just the mannered way he says. Everything. Everything. Yes, yes. Line. As if it's painful to talk, yeah, which is yeah. really exaggerated in number four. I mean, yeah. somebody counted, and I think it's I 380 a... words he pronounces in John Wick 4. It's a, I mean, he, he speaks less and less over the course of the films. And again, it's, it's by, again, by John Wick 4, it's like the whole thing is sort of taking place without him already. Yeah. And he just wants to be like, you do your thing. And he keeps getting dragged back into things. Um, before we go too far away, I want to just say Rina Sawayama was the yes. daughter at the Osaka Continental. She's a pop star. She's a pop star, apparently. And she was 
great. Yeah, yeah. She, she was great. great. And, you know, she's built into, there's a nice little revenge built in for her that she could very easily take up in her own spinoff, which I think she's the well, prime Donnie candidate. Yen, she's Don, the prime candidate, I well, think. Well, Donnie Yen has gone on record in saying, I would love to be in a Kane That's great. Spin-off. Yes. Um, I just, okay. Anyway, just, I wish it weren't Kane. Kane. <laughs> it's, it's, <sighs> Good old Kane. Yeah, well, um, yes, the blind assassin named Kane. Well, there's ah! a not to not to get into the blind assassin thing, but he is a blind assassin-ish person in Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which I haven't seen. But yes, okay, I'm not a big fan of it. But there's a real sense because he's one with the Force, Colleen, and mm-hmm. he's blind and he can do all the stuff because he's Donnie Yen. Um, and there's a fight scene where he kicks a bunch of stormtroopers' ass and. There's a real palpable sense that, and it's only one scene where he gets to do that. So there's mm-hmm. a sense that he came to John Wick 4 and was like, I, do I really again. like this blind assassin <laughs> thing, but can I actually like fight and do stuff? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, Donnie. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that was kind of the impetus. Yeah, but that's um, the thing. I mean, it's it's for John Wick 4, if he was involved before they wrote the thing, yeah. I would absolutely bet that's what happened. Yeah. That, and that's, again, the power of the star vehicle. And so we have the sort of two-hander in a sense. Um you know, Keanu on the one hand and Donnie Yen on the other, where you know each of them is going to have to do their thing and do the signature moves and so on and so forth, yeah. um, the things that we recognize. Which was the one where the raid guys showed up? And you did, I don't know if you recognized them. No. Uh, the, raid guy. Maybe that's the third one. The, the two raid guys, the two main raid people. I think I, it's I, the third one. Because um, they make a big entrance. Or is it the two, is it the two guys who... Um, I think this is at the end of three. We're so we're so pleased to be fighting you, John Wick. Like, yeah, 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 fanboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's them. <laughs> and, and Keanu is just looking at them like, like just he is so. So we were gonna make this, this. We were gonna maybe make this like an action movie, um, like podcast episode. And I was gonna recommend the Raid movies. I still would like to recommend the Raid movies at some point, um, because we'll they see. are the the single best action movies I've seen as of late. Yeah, but this is the thing. Like, action movies have kind of diverted away from these star vehicles like they used to be. And there, we're going back to this issue with Keanu. Like, what is what is this movie doing with Keanu and his stardom and, you know, the, this vision of masculinity? Because action films really are just about masculinity. I don't think John Wick 4 passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> I mean, do any um, some of them? I guess might. <laughs> I I was not Halle watching Berry's them with cool. this. Halle Berry's very. Well, I mean, yes, there are lots of individual um, folks coming in. Um, you know, women kicking ass, taking names, etc. Uh, but do they talk to each other about anything other than John Wick? Um, is the question, which I'm not sure that they do. Um, anyways, Should that, shouldn't that bother you somehow? It doesn't. I don't know. Okay. I get to see Angelica Houston with yeah. uh, with her. Um, you know, ballerinas, high high class art from, you know, lower class, like just desperate, desperate so people. Is that going to be the tie-in to the Anna de Armas ballerina? I, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. She yeah, doesn't ballerina. show up, though, Anna de Armas. No, Anna de Armas is not in there, but you can, again, you, the world. you've just created this whole world yeah. that can, you can do so much with this, you know, assassin ballerinas and whatever else you need. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really quite brilliant in how it weaves a lot of this in, um, especially for three and four. Um, but yeah, but just Keanu, what does he do? I, I mean, I've really been racking my brain trying to figure out what it is about this particular formulation that has that has so captivated action audiences in an era when stars don't have the clout that they used to. I think for it's this. the hair. 
I, I don't think it's physical. I think it goes back to this. Well, he this... has a very iconic look. He does and have it, an iconic it, look. And that and that contributes, that is partially thanks to Keanu Reeves' general look yeah. as he's grown older. Well, yeah. And the, the world itself, I think, has this appeal as a fantasy of meritocracy, mm-hmm. right? Where competence is valued, both basic competence and, you know, excellence is obviously you know, recognized and rewarded with celebrity and so on. And there's also this very strict and consequential adherence to a shared set of rules that everybody seems to know. Yeah. And, you know, the right people trotted out as exposition very cannily at exactly the right times. And we learn these rules and there are very clear consequences to breaking the rules. And when rules are broken, there are consequences. I mean, we have so much going on in the world that happens with total impunity to see that there is this murderous, murderous world where, you know what, if you go by the rules, you're actually going to turn out okay. <laughs> like, I mean, the, uh, the, by the end, by the end, yeah, exactly. By the end, you realize like there's no way to really get through this without breaking some of the rules and crossing the wrong people for, you know, maybe your reasons are solid, but that's going to go against what you've promised to other people. And, you know, you've got blood oaths and all these things that you're supposed to honor. And, and yeah, I mean, so it, it's, but that's the thing, like it starts out as this sort of, this uber meritocracy and then we also see it fall apart a little bit where we realize like that system actually doesn't work yeah yeah but and then you know wick and others get hurt because fighting hurts again like it's they're bearing this consequence on their body well i mean yes there there is the ridiculousness of no one should be hit by cars or fall out of that many there's a great bit in atomic blonde for various reasons where um uh, charlie's theron after a fight just takes a bath in ice. Mm. And I, I think I just, there is a there is a fantasy element to John Wick that I think, yes. you've watched them all, so you've yeah. seen the, you've seen him have to recoup from his wounds. There's a part I think where he gets stabbed and he yeah. has to have it sewn up before yeah. a time limit. Yes, yes. Um, and I, and by four, there's none of that. There's none of that, Colleen. No, it, it it is much more about the balletic, you know, very sort of dance choreography of the fight scenes. Yes. Um, Yes, and the big set pieces in Paris, and, and and you know, and the continental Osaka. But what did you make of the fight scene with the penguin, circa Batman, and John Wick Four? Not to bring what? this up, penguin. The penguin shows up. He's not actually the penguin, but there oh, is a direct yeah. nod to a penguin yes. as figure. Yes, the guy in the fat suit. Yes. What did you make of that whole bit? I'm sorry, to bring that up. I think. Well, I mean, it, it was there, another fight scene. There's too many random dance clubs there's too much because this goes back to the like the the aesthetic of it to your Mm -hmm. point about why it's so popular i think it's capturing something that maybe you can attribute to drive which is this Mm. neon noir dance club synth wave yes glimpses of by lighting kind of undercut with like these yes. greens and beiges sometimes when they want to be high class. We because get, the highlight of yeah. the first one is the fun dance club scene. Yeah. Um, Second one also has a really cool dance sequence. And the Technicolor uh, art show. Yeah, yeah. And I think they just rode that all the way to the bank. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's <laughs> so yeah. many random dance club. <laughs> um, just the, Even if it's not a dance club, it has the lighting of a dance club. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that with the soundtrack, there's a part in four where they use the song. We were just talking about this. I said yeah. to you, Colleen, I said, there's a song from John Wick One that I love to listen to because it's very fun. 
kind of um, dance song. Mm -hmm. And did you recognize that they put it in four? Yeah. That's, it's the same month. We, we've established this. Like the same it's dance It's non-diegetic music. Is it non-diegetic really? Yes, it is. They're, they're in a Parisian abandoned house. What are you talking about? Ah, uh, okay. This is the, which I think is ma you know, just magisterially filmed. Speaking of which, yeah. uh, this is that, I feel like that was a overt oh, nod to a video game that also ties probably. in stylistic. Yeah. Uh, have probably. you heard of Hotline Miami? No. Okay, Hotline Miami is basically Drive, the video game, where you play like a, a monosyllabic assassin who goes in and beats people with hammers. With a scorpion jacket? No, but you have uh, animal masks. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. And um, it's it's done overhead. And you're, uh, and you're going in and you're yeah. killing people. And it's it's very similar to how it looks. How and many takes do you think it took to get I that? I, I, I'm looking at this going... How many times did the same, poor PAs have to set this up? Same DP oh, as man. Nightmare Alley. Oh, it was who did John it Wick was, Four? Yeah, but I mean, there are so many long takes. I mean, really, John Wick Four is about setting, yes, and cinematography, yes. And I think that it is so much not about plot. <laughs> I mean, to the extent it's about plot, it's about these two guys, which is also very nice. Yes. Um, so again, just the yeah, Keanu. It's it's yeah. I mean, it goes back <laughs> just Keanu. No, it's, just it's a break Keanu it again. down. No, but I, it goes back too to this recurrence of glass, right? I mean, the whole thing is 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 about glass. You know, this transparency as an ideal is there in the material, right? And again, the rules, transparency in the glass. It gets it but it's fragile at the same time, right? Wow, I mean when he starts deep. I told you I came with <laughs> notes. I told you I hear those. But I mean, you you go back to John Wick 1 and like this man is grieving. You know what I like yes. we we see the vulnerability is on full display and this is something that Keanu really does. This yes. is you know as An Angelica Jade Bastien who's a film critic and 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 you know Keanu's number one fan. Um you know, she's written quite a bit Aside about from you. Well, but but I have not written about Keanu the way okay. that she has. Okay. Okay. And I don't think I will because she's done such a great job. Okay. But I mean she she talks about this as the sad Keanu and the action Keanu yes. and then John Wick just seamlessly blends them together. We get to see both of them on display and again we get the star vehicle aspect of that first one. Um, but again, it's it's this this vulnerability sort of has to carry through because again, we keep seeing the glass, we see how it gets broken, you know, we get the hall of mirrors and just it's it's this it is it's this this yeah, the, the transparency that we go for that gets easily broken and, and the fragility that he has as a hero where he physically gets broken and has to Or do you think they just to wanted to heal and move on? Shiny reflective surfaces for all the neon lights. It helps. <laughs> I mean it's it I mean that's the thing about the glass. I mean it just works on so many levels, but it not just aesthetic. It is not just aesthetic. And this is why we keep I mean, it works. I'm, I'm not going to knock it, but I mean, it also works when they go to the 19th century Grand Format Room in the Louvre and have their scene there. I don't think you've mentioned that. I will continue to mention this. I cannot tell you. They don't go to the. They don't go into the pyramid, though. No, which, they don't. No, which no. has a lot of glass. That's true. They could have done stuff with that. But I, again, it goes back to the like in number two where they're you know the guys sort of talking to him in front of the painting, and then there's the um, there's there's uh, one of the big sculpture thing. It's Hercules, Hercules's death is the center sculpture. And then like there are the 12 gods kind of surrounding him, looking at him. I mean, so if you go into the art that you see in these films, all of it is significant yes. to what is going on in the action with these guys, which like, just uh, between that and the film references How about and again, the, the game references, it just it's so intertextual. All of it. Was there it's, an intertextuality to Bill Skarsgård's suits? 
I don't know, but they My were God. they were great suits. They were great suits. And well, everybody's dressed to the nines in the series. Well, too. John Wick always has the same yes. kind of formal costume. Yes, with the Kevlar lining and everything, and just yeah, I know everybody's. I'd forgotten that detail watching four. So when they started mm-hmm. deflecting bullets with their coats, I yeah, was, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, they're bulletproof. That is a great thing. montage in the second one when he's in Italy. He's actually in Rome, you know, kind of going after his mark, uh, and and he's he's with he's at the tasting, which is trying out guns. And he's at the tailors and they're talking about, you know, armoring the, the tailoring and he, one for day and one for night, he growls. <laughs> and then uh, what's the third one? Uh, so the tailor, the guns, and let me look this up. Sorry, there was the a third shoes? one. No, it's not even the shoes. What else do you need besides a uh, yeah, suit and you guns? Know, suit and guns. I uh, should mention Lawrence Fishburne's. Oh, right. rare documents. Sorry. Yes, we have to have that esoterica, <laughs> like high culture. You've got the document specialist giving him the map to the catacombs, and this is how he's this supposed to. This is why I like the second but that, one. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, like, you've got this nerd <laughs> the, the guy. Rare document. Yes, the rare shop. document expert who like opens the secret door and takes him to the back and shows him. <laughs> yes, I remember. But then yeah. it shows him the map to the catacombs. This is how you're going to access it, and then like. He ends up like just walking out of the place. <laughs> like so, I mean, it, it, it he ends up using it in. in Isn't there a later. dance club in the catacombs? Yeah, well, it's connected to the catacombs. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. So yeah, all of this is. <laughs> Why is just there always real a fantasy dance club geography? Every, every few feet. Well, it's Europe, Wickham. It's one. Europe. There's always a dance club. Europe and New York. I do like the line because yeah, Lawrence Fishburne unfortunately becomes like his cue by the end of four. Yeah. In a Bond way, but he gives yeah, him the yeah, gun yeah, and. Yeah. And At the Porte de Lilas, which, yes, that was my reference that I wanted to go back to. I'm that, quoting a... a joke that Lawrence Fishburne said. It's very important that All I right, say this because one of my joke. favorite lines in the movie um, where he says, how did, how did you get this gun? And Lawrence Fishburne says, I know a guy who know a guy who killed a guy. Yeah. Or shot a guy. I messed it up, but it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite dumb bits. And Lawrence Fishburne again seems to be having a great he's, time. He's having a fantastic time. He's I just can, hanging out with these people. I can imagine like him at the rap party, just you know. Anyway, yeah. But so Porte Lilas was a, a sort of gangster adjacent French film from René Clair oh. from the fifties. Yeah. So that that choice of that particular station is also significant and intertextual. Huh. So yeah, I why, mean, there's why, so, why Umberto D. What, what do you? Why did they have the same breed of dog? That's a pretty kick-ass dog. It's a cute-ass dog. Yeah, and a kick-ass dog. That's the point. I mean, when he when he chooses well, his own dog, he goes for a, a more aggressive bull, bull breed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the cute little beagle. Yeah, his wife picks for him. But if you, you've not seen Umberto D, have you? No, I haven't. Okay, it's very similar to John Wick. Um. um I bet the Italian is at least slightly better. The Italian is slightly better. They they go to Rome, you said, right? Yeah, yep, yep. It's amazing two. how all these movies sort of run together. Now that you start talking about it, yep, there is they a... do. But that's the thing; they do. It is the same story. It's the it's the same like month of story time. Okay, our our time is yeah, up. Unfortunately, uh, I could Colleen. go on. <laughs> Have I mentioned say, the Louvre? Did you say all you wanted to say? <laughs> I I think I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you get it all out there? I I, I don't. This know. seems like a. Uh, Cluster fruitcake of uh, analysis. <laughs> no. um, I, well, no, it, it, it's a little half baked. I do admit it, but I just, I, I am there. There's a reason we why we pride this, ourselves on being half baked here. There, there the, is a reason why Keanu in this franchise manages yes. to buck the trend of other action movies. There has to be reasons for this, and I will not stop until I get to the bottom of it. I do think it's a confluence of action movie uh, 
aficionados kind of rousing like it's like a weird mix of nostalgia for Keanu in an action movie role but also stylistically it's this merging of everything Mm -hmm. that people are into and I think it's the synth wave it's the neon true it's the world building Mm -hmm. the franchise capabilities of that it's the um yeah, and, and just the bringing all these people who people would be familiar with, like a Donnie yep. Yen or even a Halle Berry, because people yep. are nostalgic for her from, you know, the Bond film, Die Another not, Day. Not Catwoman? No? No, not, no, no not Catwoman nostalgia? No, well, her in that outfit, maybe, but um, she's mostly <laughs> CGI in that movie when the action happens, so that's mm. part of why it's not a good film in many ways. The, yeah, well, she has dogs to look out for The Merovingian, right? though, is in that. That mm-hmm. guy you were talking about with the bad French accent in Matrix ah. Reloaded. He shows up in Catwoman. Oh, Can we really? do an episode on Catwoman? Lambert it, Wilson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he runs a beauty product line. Anyway. Oh, of course he does. With Sharon Stone. Of course. I could talk about the Catwoman, Catwoman. movie if you want to. I'll have to see it first. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> um but suffice well, it to say, I do think, yeah, I think it's a, it is a confluence of things. And I think, yeah, people, because I know Alev, you know, my wife, who doesn't like to watch a lot of action movies, I'm sure she feels the same way about Keanu that, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's just fun to, to see him in his, in his world, you know, to see him uh, and to see all these people excited to be, you know, coming back together and have all these allusions to the other people's, you know, nostalgia for different parts of the franchise. and Yeah, but it, it doesn't feel nostalgic when you watch it. I think that's well, really... I think when Lawrence Fishburne shows up. When he up. shows up, yeah, and we met many years ago. <laughs> yeah. You may not remember. I was wearing shades. We remember! Because <laughs> he know, doesn't like, even show screen. up in Matrix 4, which is sad. Uh, that's true. Yeah. 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 Well. Well, I don't know what happened That's there. a totally different sort of strain of nostalgia going on with Matrix 4. I just want Carrie Ann Moss now to show up in... Yeah. Uh, and Chad shows up as her husband in that movie, doesn't he? Well, yeah, I want Carrie Moss to show up in John Wick. That yeah, be... that maybe one. The, maybe she could be the um, the the new teacher for the ballerina series or something. Oh. She'd be great at something like that. Okay. She she could she could channel her own are version in... of a of an Angelica Houston vibe. Yes, I am casting the ballerina show. Are you in for that? Are you I... in for the Continental God, TV unfortunately, show? Unfortunately, I think. I am. I know probably Ian McShane's going to show up again. <laughs> That's I'm. You know what? I I'm in. I I I I love these ridiculous movies. I honestly, I'm not a franchise. I'm not a completist by any stretch. And yet, yes, I am in for this. And you're into the glass. And I'm into the, the glass. I'll see if the glass carries over, or if that's something that is specific to Keanu. So you know, again, I I have Has my theories about. Has anyone written this about, paper? Uh, what? Has anyone written this paper about, about glass? Keanu and glass? No, I don't think so. There's okay. a di- there's another article in that special issue I shouted out at the top of the show um, that is about Keanu's body and how bodily he um, he he does action and things. And that is um, one of the arguments is that's what makes it distinct, uh, what makes him distinct as an action star from a lot of other stars. So, anyways, lanky. Well, yes, there's the physicality of it, but that's, you know, part of a general trend from the bulked out 80s dudes to the more svelte, you know, Jason Bourne, uh, Matt Damon is Jason Bourne kind of Jason Statham. Statham as well. Yeah. um, That sort of newer breed of action heroes. Jason Statham would be another example of like the the action vehicle person. He should have been in one of these. Man. He's he's been inundated with Fast and Furious at this point. True. Okay. He's he's busy. All right. Well, thank you for joining me on this. That is our yeah, episode. Yeah. I feel like we've given you an outlet finally. To... I, I have so much to say about <laughs> these movies. 
We should do a chaptered series of John Wick podcasts. Oh, we could just, just do com- we could do rewatch commentary tracks like oh, like yeah. MST3K, and it would just be me- if by number four, it's just going to be like I've been to the Sat Chapelle. You wouldn't believe Man, how nice that Check was. out that punch. I waited an hour in line for an hour to get in there. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. Anyway, <laughs> you made me watch that as a production of the Department of Communication and Design at Bill Kent University. You can support the podcast by subscribing with your favorite audio app and by following the Bill Kent Cinema Society on Instagram at Bill Kent Cinema, all one word. Our cover art was designed by Denis Vaditungur. Our weekly thumbnails are designed by Tylan Akul. Our theme music was composed by Dazi Ozovsky, who you can follow on Instagram and Spotify. This episode was produced by Tylan Akul and the Bill Kent Cinema Society with extra Tashekular to our tech wrangler, John Akaj. Do you have any special thanks? Well, I yes, I, I do want to give a special thanks. And, you know, I do think that there is a triage of action movie filmmakers and action movie franchises that are basically the kings of what they're doing now. And I think John Wick is part of that. And I, I mentioned it before and I'll mention it again and maybe we'll do a podcast on it. But I do suggest if any of you all enjoy the John Wick films, and don't mind occasionally reading subtitles. The the Raid movies are brilliant pieces of action movie cinema. And they don't get enough credit for pushing the medium forward. They have the exhaustion. They have the choreography. They have the ingenuity. Um, and they are brilliant, brilliant action movies. To the extent that Keanu Reeves, appears, uh, he made a movie. By the way, another special thanks tangentially did you have you seen the keanu reeves movie that he directed no called uh the man of tai chi no where he is the villain and he directs he he sort of has he tries to create his own little john wick this is pre-john Wick. i was gonna say this is what he was attempting before he got that script so obviously he had this in mind it's like an underground fight club and and one of the people from the raids in that similar to how they're in uh, god nothing but the best for my sad king i'll tell you okay Regardless, the Raid movies, Raid 1, Raid 2, check them out. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Wickham. Thank you, Colleen. I'm glad we could be here for you.